This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. A reading from Habakkuk, the first chapter. Before I read, you may be wondering who Habakkuk was. In the Old Testament, there are what we call major prophets and minor prophets. He was the most minor of the minor prophets. (laughs) There are four pages in the Bible that are attributed to him. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. I will stand at my watchpost and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them. But the righteous live by their faith. The word of the Lord. A reading from 2 Timothy the first chapter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is given within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who's just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink, later you may eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We've done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Today in our readings, we get two images of faith. Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Lord, increase our faith. And faith seems to take on an almost magical sense. Jesus says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could order that mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted in the sea, which is an oddly specific thing to say. Why a mulberry tree? Why the sea? But the point seems to be that if you have faith, you can do amazing things. And certainly one doesn't have to go far to find stories of such a faith, to find stories of of people who faced with terrible circumstances in their lives, turn to faith, and then recount that somehow those circumstances resolved. that when disease came into their family, faith became their weapon to drive it out. When they suddenly found themselves laid off, faith saw them through and a job suddenly materializes. When they're going through a dark time in their life, their faith sustains them through 
and suddenly things get better. Those mulberry trees get tossed into the sea. And indeed, I myself have known people like that. My Aunt Loy, who lived in Oklahoma, she was one of these people who got up in the morning and drank and ate and breathed faith until the moment she closed her eyes at night. Every letter I ever got from her had like two sentences of greeting and then a long anagram that would spell out some passage in, in Scripture as if there was this rigid discipline of faith that her brain was constantly going through but the only problem with holding on to a view of faith that is like that is that we are forced then to reckon with the flip side. What of those whose jobs do not materialize? What of those whose disease does not leave? What of those who going through dark times, it just continues to get darker and darker and darker? Were they unable to muster the, the requisite passion? Were they unable to recruit enough prayer warriors to somehow get God's attention? Or worse yet, is God being neglectful? Or even worse yet, does God have a plan and I just don't figure into it? The disciples say, increase our faith. And in doing so, I was reminded of last week's gospel where we heard about Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man cries out from Hades, send someone from the dead to speak to my brothers. They'll listen to them, even if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, even the most minor of prophets. And it seems that like that rich man, here are the disciples, they've, they've been around Jesus, they've heard his teachings, and yet somehow it isn't enough. They feel that they do not yet have the requisite amount of faith to do what needs to be done. Before long, God help us, we will be entering into the Christmas season and the airwaves will be filled with music and programs and advertisements and one of the favorite words of advertisers will be believe. Believe in Christmas magic. If you believe hard enough, you can see the magic bell. If you believe hard enough, Santa's sleigh will fly. It's wonderful because it has vaguely religious overtones but doesn't commit to anything. Except that sense that you've got to scrunch up your eyes and pucker your mouth and squeeze out just a little bit more faith to make it happen. I struggle with some of the language that we use. Words like believe, words like faith. Because we seem 
to carry this idea that somehow it's on our shoulders. We have to believe hard enough to make this work. But then we get this vision from Habakkuk. Habakkuk was writing in the final days of the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen to the Assyrians, and now the Babylonians were literally camped outside the walls of Jerusalem, and Judah was about to fall. In the midst of this siege, it is almost unimaginable the sort of horrors that took place within the city of Jerusalem as food ran out, as water ran out, as people turned to all forms of barbarity trying to live one more day. And in the midst of this, Habakkuk writes, where are you, God? Are we not your chosen people? How can it be that injustice triumphs over justice, unrighteousness over righteousness? How can it be that your promises are not going to be fulfilled? How can this be your plan? And in saying that, his words sound reminiscent of the words of Job. You remember him where it seemed like every calamity possible was heaped upon his shoulders, and he also cried out to God, challenging God's justice, challenging God's compassion. And God comes to him and says, yeah, well, where were you when the foundations of the world were laid? Thanks, God, real helpful. And likewise, today, it seems that Habakkuk's cry is not answered other than to be reminded by God that there is a vision. Write this vision down, engrave it in stone, and wait. This seems to be, for me, a very different, well, at least in some ways, distant, uh, different vision of faith. And yet, it's a faith that seems to echo throughout Scripture. A faith based not on strength, but on weakness. It is the faith that Abram and Sarai show when they are too old for God's promise to be fulfilled. And yet they hope. It is the sort of faith shown by Moses who having led the people of Israel out of Egypt then has to go on a 40-year journey not knowing where he is going, only that he has to put one foot in front of the other. And that is faith. It is the faith of David who stands humiliated before God, having committed adultery and murder, and yet dares to hope that there might still be a place for him in God's plan. 
It is the faith of Hagar, who, driven out by Sarai into the wilderness, lies down to die with her child and yet presents herself to God. This is a faith born out of desperation, a faith born out of helplessness and ignorance. This is a faith that is drawn up not out of the depths of our own strength, but rather is born out of something more primal. It is born out of daring to hope that there might be a different way of being, that there might be a different world that we could be a part of. It is a faith that does not deny darkness, defeat, and despair, but rather draws one through those, inexorably toward the next day and the next day and the next day. It is faith that drew the people of Israel through the exile, through that crushing sense of hopelessness and loss of identity and somehow brought them back. It is the faith of those for whom jobs don't materialize and for whom health is not an option. The Psalms are filled with such faith called the Psalms of Lament, where these psalmists rail at God for God's injustice, for God failing to live up to God's promises. And yet by the time you get to the end of the psalm, it turns around and says, and yet, and yet, you are God of heaven and earth, and I belong to you. Habakkuk is indeed one of the most minor of prophets. You get one reading in the lectionary from him and one only, and you just heard it. But you didn't hear all of Habakkuk. It begins like those psalms with this cry of despair. But by the time you get to the end of it, he also turns around and says, but God, you are our God. And we praise you. Although the words of Habakkuk grew out of horrific times. It's not hard to hear a little echo for today. We can claim it in some sense, for indeed we look out and see a world that seems upended, that seems perverted, where it does indeed seem like the unjust triumph over the just, the righteous fall before the unrighteous. And yet, our faith calls us to see that God's reign is so close that we can taste it, so close that we can almost feel it, that we can almost hear 
the cries of rejoicing, such that, as Paul says, we have this uneasy sense, this ache within us, because we no longer can quite belong to this world, having tasted that world. And I think somehow that lies at the heart of the faith that Habakkuk describes. I think somehow that lies at the heart of what God is doing in the world, this God who shows a delight and a preference in the smallest and least of things, forming them into great things. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, just this big, and I think maybe even in the midst of darkness, maybe I can scare up just that much. Amen.